right, good morning, everybody. Can you join me in thanking these volunteers on the platform for sharing their story with us? That's right, we are, we are wrapping up this series called Vibrant. We've been talking about serving, and we've covered a lot of ground about why we should serve, how we're gifted to serve, serving in the local church, uh, the motive of love. We talked about that last week. Uh, but today I want, to, I want to shift a little bit. Uh, really up to this point, I've been speaking to you that maybe you're not serving. And I've been just trying to bring the word of God to you and encourage you to take that first step of serving the Lord. Or maybe getting back into serving that you used to, but you haven't done in a long time. But today, I, I, I want to do something different. I want to talk to the people who are serving. People that you know who you are, man. You, you've been here, you're serving week in and week out. You're faithful. Um, some of you have been serving for decades. And, and, and by the way, you've probably never been on the platform to be recognized. No one really knows what you do or only a few people. You're not gonna, you're not gonna get your face on the banner out in the front of the church probably for your serving. But the Lord knows, the Lord sees, and you've been so faithful and I just want to speak to you today. And the first thing I want to say is just with all sincerity in my heart, thank you. Thank you for serving the Lord. Thank you for being selfless. Thank you for investing in others. Thank you for all that you do. Can we just, can we just say thank you together by just applauding all those in the room here that are serving so, so faithfully. That's right. You know, and... Um, you know, serving is, is hard at times. I mean, it, it, you, it's easy to get worn out. It's easy to get tired. It's easy to feel like maybe, you know, what I'm doing doesn't really matter. Maybe I'm just kind of filling a hole. Anybody could do it or all, any, all kinds of thoughts come into our heart and our mind that can make us want to quit. It's kind of like the long distance runner running the race. The scientists tell us that if you're a long distance runner, you will what they call hit the wall, Right. You hit the wall. I hit the wall at mile one, but you know, most people hit the wall like at mile eight, 16 to 18 when your body is just depleted and you just don't feel like you can keep going. And maybe you're running by yourself and the elements are against you and, and your brain is just saying, stop, stop. And I think every person that serves faithfully unto the Lord feels that sometimes. Just this, I know I want to keep going, but there's a part of me that just wants to stop and let somebody else do it. Let somebody else take care of it. I did that once. I don't need that anymore. And, to, and just to stop serving the Lord. And if you're discouraged today, if you're thinking about quitting, I guess what I just want you to know, I want to say to you is just keep going. Just keep going. Keep pressing forward. Keep pushing through those quitting points. Keep being faithful to the Lord. Because God is using you in ways that you have no idea what he's doing, okay? And so that's really why I want us to look at Galatians 6. So if you've got a Bible, open up Galatians chapter 6. That's where we're going to be today, Galatians 6. Uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to churches in the region of Galatia. And he's coming to the end of his letter. So chapter 6 is the last chapter. And he has just talked in Galatians 5 about the fruit of the Spirit and walking in the Spirit, and the Spirit-filled life. It's a beautiful, wonderful chapter in Galatians 5. And in many ways, kind of mirrors 
what we saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about, and 13 about love. So there, there's a lot of comparison between the two. And then he gets to the last chapter, Galatians 6, and these are his last final words. And I'll just say, years ago as I first looked at this passage, many times it just kind of looks like these are separate, almost like Proverbs. These kind of standalone sentences that are all kind of his final thoughts as he's wrapping up the letter. But, but as you study it more, as you lean into it more, and hopefully you'll see it this morning, these are not just kind of standalone Proverbs. All this is working together to teach us and to encourage us, those who serve the Lord, to finish well, to finish strong, and to not uh, give up. So let's look at it, Galatians chapter 6. We're going to begin at verse 1. And I just want to give you a couple of statements to, to think about, and I want you to write these down. We take notes at our church. Reason why, we want you with an open Bible and uh, something to write notes down because we want you to be thinking about it and praying it through during the week, okay? So here's the first thing I want you to write down. Jot this down. Uh, keep caring, but don't compromise. Keep caring, but don't compromise. Galatians 6, verse 1. This is the word of God. Amen? Amen? Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, Paul starts off with kind of, I guess, a hypothetical situation. He, he talks about a brother or sister that is a believer uh, in the church who is, uh, well, what does it say here? Overtaken by a wrongdoing. The word overtaken there seems to indicate surprise, like they didn't see this coming. Like it wasn't really something they chose to do, but they've just kind of fallen into a wrongdoing. Some uh, versions, you might look at yours, uh, uses the word trespass or fault. They've fallen into something that, some area of sin in their life that's not good. And uh, this happens all the time in churches, right? Sometimes people fall into a, a financial crisis. All of a sudden they got laid off from their job and then boom, boom, a couple things happen, medical bills pile up, and now they're in crisis, and they can't get out of it. Or some people are in a marriage crisis, and, and things are just falling apart around them, and they don't know how to, how to get it going again. Or some people may be in uh, just a lot of all, any other kind of crisis, maybe just drifting from the Lord slowly over time and now now they just have no real spiritual interest at all some people may fall into some kind of doctrinal crisis where they've been kind of uh, drawn into some errant doctrine and so here he's talking to the leaders and he said you who are spiritual look at chapter five you know, all those who are walking in the spirit who are mature you should restore this person which, by the way, this is what a lot of ministry is, isn't it? Dealing with people in their crisis, helping restore them. Now, the word restore there literally means to mend or to fix what is broken. I have a friend of mine that had an old pickup truck, and he drove it when he was a teenager, but the truck literally was left outside under a tree for a couple of decades. And then he decided, man, I really would like to restore that old truck. So he brought it back on a flatbed and went to work on it. And, and this old truck, man, I mean, it, it had a lot of rust. It had a lot of rot. 
it, it had, you know, all the wiring is gone, the engine is, it doesn't work. I mean, nothing really is working in this thing. And so part of it was like cutting out the bad stuff, you know, taking out the bad stuff. And then he had to like bring in the new, right? And, and a lot of body work and new engines and new, new wheels, new wiring, all this stuff new brought in in order to restore it back to what it used to be. Now, in a lot of ways, restoring people are, is a lot like that. It takes a lot of, you know, kind of dealing with past sins, past habits, past behaviors that kind of led you to this crisis and, and dealing with that openly. And then it also takes you bringing in new things, some new fresh community and, and accountability and, and maybe some new habits that allow them to really move forward in their walk with God. And that is the restoration business that believers are to do with one another. In fact, we have a ministry at our church called Regen that does that very thing. If you're stuck in a addiction or a hurt from the past or destruct, self-destructive behavior or some kind, man, just, just getting past it, we need people around us to help us. And we're seeing story after story after story of life change happening, literally living this verse out. And how does that happen? Well, look at what he says. Carry one another's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. To be restored as a person, I have to want to be restored. I have to want to deal with myself. I have to want to, to admit the things that are wrong and, and to make the changes that require some level of humility on my part, right? If I don't want to be restored, chances of being re restored is what? Probably like that. But not only does it take me wanting that, but I, I need other people coming around me to help me because I can't do it on my own. And so that's when he says, that's what he's talking about here when he says to carry one another's burdens. Notice it again. Carry one another's burdens. The word burden there is baras, which means a heavy load you cannot carry on your own. All right, too heavy for one person. I need multiple people around me to carry this load. I think about, when I, when I read that, I thought about the Navy SEAL training, right? In BUDS, their, their basic training, they have a log. It's 10 feet long, 250 pounds, and they, they have to carry this thing together. And it's heavy, and they have to maneuver together and they're learning to work together to bear this load that one man can't do on his own. And that's the picture here. You know, it's just too big. This addiction is too hard. This marriage issue is too complicated. My financial crisis is overbearing and I need somebody to get up under me and, and, and help me to get on my feet. And he said, when you do that, by the way, that's a lot of what ministry is, right? When you do that, he said, you're fulfilling the law of Christ. That's really cool. Now, you may be thinking, well, what is the law of Christ? And I'm really glad you asked, okay? <laughs> Write this in the margin of your Bible, John 13, 34. I give you a new command, a new law, love one another. So he's saying, you know, when you get in people's lives and just help them shoulder what they're going through, when you really care for people, then you're loving them like Jesus loves them. Now, even though he says, keep caring, keep shouldering the load, keep ministering, keep investing your heart, keep getting, keep, keep getting involved, as hard as it is, he does give a warning. Notice the warning here. 
He said, restore such a person with a gentle spirit. Watch out for yourselves so that you won't be tempted. This is a danger of compromise. He's saying, hey, you know, while you're in the midst of the ministry and, and shouldering people's load, just be careful, man, because Satan would love to take out you with, with this person. What they're falling into, you could get sucked into as well. So you got to just be careful. All right, keep caring, keep loving, keep getting involved, but, but be sure you watch your, literally put your eyes on yourself. Watch out for yourself. Same thing we read in Jude chapter one, verse 22. Have mercy on those who waver. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Have mercy on others, but with fear, hating even the garments defiled uh, by the flesh. In other words, he's saying, you know, man, you're rescuing, but just be aware that the enemy is, is roaring and, and he would love to suck you into this too. So always be aware, warning, don't compromise. Care, keep caring, but don't compromise. Listen, I, when, I, when I hear this, I, I think about a lot of pastors. I know a lot of pastors that you know, they just spend a lot of their time getting under the load with people, right? They're getting under the load of this person that's dealing with depression. They're under the load of this person that's in a crisis. They're under the load of this person giving, 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 giving. And yet they're not really taking care of their own heart, their own family, their own walk with God. And then they fall, they succumb to some temptation. And listen, that happens to pastors, that can happen to you. It can happen to every one of us. Probably the best thing I would say is if you're in the trenches serving the Lord and you're, you're getting under the load with people, man, praise God for you. You're showing them the love of Jesus. But you also need accountability in your life. You need people in your life that love you enough to say, how are you doing? Tell me about your walk with the Lord. Tell me about your time in the word. Tell me about your marriage. Tell me about your family so that together we can help each other to do this work that God's called us to do. So who are you accountable to? Who is that person in your life? If you're serving and serving and pouring out and pouring out, you need to be sure that you're filling yourself up and that you're walking in a way that doesn't make you vulnerable to temptations, all right? So the first thing he said is this, yo, keep, keep caring, keep shouldering the load, man. Don't quit, but, but don't compromise, uh, second thought, write this down, keep working, but don't compare. Keep working, but don't compare. Look at verse uh, three. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each person examine his own work. Then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. You know, the people in Galatia, they, they were serving, uh, but some of them were kind of thinking, I'm all that. You know, they, they're, in their serving, they began to kind of elevate themselves. In fact, we see a glimmer of this in the last verse of chapter 5. Some people think the last verse of chapter 5 should really be the first verse in chapter 6. Look at that last verse. He said, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another, that word conceited in the old KJV uh, is the word vainglory. <laughs> Not a word we use very often, right? But vainglory is, look at me. Look at me. Look how I'm serving. 
Look at what I'm doing. Man, nobody else will do it, Pastor, but I'm going to do it for you. Nobody's going to show up, but I'm going to show up. I'm going to look, and through that, it's kind of my way of saying, you know, affirm me, acknowledge me, uh, pet me, uh, you know, speak about me. You know, ministry can even be kind of a way of just getting attention. So we have to be careful, right? These people were doing that. They were starting to kind of elevate themselves. Look at all I'm doing. And then consequently in elevating themselves, they were starting to look down at other people. You know, that person, he just needs to get his act together, man. Just get your act together. You know, if you could just uh, start doing what I'm doing, then you would be all right. You know, and, and start elevating themselves, looking down on others. It's a danger for anyone in ministry, even in your life. To elevate yourself, look down on others, have a judgmental spirit. You know, Jesus told the story about this uh, two guys going to the temple to pray. He said one was a tax collector who was on his knees just beating his chest. Lord, forgive me. He was praying. The Pharisee was next to him standing up with his hands stretched out and his face lifted toward heaven saying, Lord, I'm so glad I'm not these, like these other people, especially this guy. <laughs> Man, I'm just, I gotta be your favorite, God. I gotta be your favorite. And I'm doing all this stuff, you know? And, you know, when you read that, you're like, oh, give me a break, right? Is this guy for real? But you know what? The more I look at that, I think, yeah, I got a little Pharisee in me. He pops his head up every once in a while. He pops his head up, and I, if I start to have a judgmental thought about another person that's struggling, you know, if I, you, know, you just need to do X, you know, X, Y, Z, one, two, three, and, and, and the Lord is like, uh, <clears throat> Craig, hello? You, you got a lot going on in your own space, right? You, know, you don't need to be looking down on anybody else. And I just think that I'm probably not the only one in this room that could go that way without much effort. And so what he's saying here is he said, listen, do not compare yourself with anyone else. Do not compare. Do not compare. You know, comparison is always going to lead you in, in, in a bad way, right? It, 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 if you compare yourself to someone and you think you're better than them, then that leads to pride, right? I, I'm so awesome. Or I compare myself to somebody and they're better than me, then that leads me to jealousy. I wish I had what they had. I wish I was on the platform. Uh, I've been serving 10 times longer than they were. Why, why, why didn't he interview me today? You know, that kind of thing. And so we're, you're, you're, it's going to lead you to one or the other. And both of them are bad. Years ago, the Outreach Magazine put out uh, this issue, a special issue, where they compared churches across the country. And they compared them in all different categories, churches that won the most people of Christ, churches that are the fastest growing, churches that plant more churches and all, all kinds of categories. And I'm telling you what, that little magazine was a source of great pride and envy in the heart of most pastors. Because they were like grabbing it like crack cocaine, man. Are we in the top 10? Are we in the top 10? How come they got in the top 10? We're better than they are. I mean, it was, it was like ridiculous. Because we're comparing. Who are you comparing yourself with? I mean, in this age of social media, we compare ourselves with people all the time, right? How we look, um, how we're doing in our business, in our career. We compare ourselves with how our kids are doing. Don't compare. Hey, listen to me. Just look, at, look up here. 
Don't compare yourself with anybody. You are right where God wants you to be. You are gifted. You are beautifully, wonderfully made. You are not like anyone else. You are a masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10 says, you're one of a kind. And listen, God has a unique ministry for you and it's not gonna look like somebody else's. So don't compare. In fact, I just love, I just love this. Maybe I just love it because it, it, it speaks to me. But Paul goes on to say, in fact, don't compare, but do two other things instead of comparing. Number one, he said, examine your own work. Look at it. Examine your own work. I love that. Instead of comparing about this guy, just uh, examine your own work. Are you giving your best? Are you doing what you're supposed to do? Uh, Luke 16, 10, uh, Jesus said, whoever is faithful in very little will also be faithful in much. Or are you being faithful with God has put in your hands? Ultimately, when you stand before Jesus Christ, it's all going to be about what you did with what the Lord gave you. Are you. So examine yourself. Are you being faithful? And then second thing he said to do, instead of comparing, just carry your own load. Look at verse 5. For each person must carry his own load. Now, you may say, well, hold on, Pastor. Didn't he just say in verse 2, I'm supposed to carry other people's loads? And now he's telling me to carry my own. Is that a contradiction? No. In verse 2, he's talking about caring for others, right? That are in this situation and it's too heavy. You got to get up under it. That's what a lot of ministry is. But here in chapter five, in verse five, he's talking about your own load. The word, the word here is not the same. The Greek word here means like a backpack. Your own thing you're supposed to carry. Your own responsibility. So get what he's saying. He's like, instead of comparing, I want to be like them. Can I be like them? Wish I was like them. Instead of doing that, just say, look, examine your own heart and carry your own load. Put, carry the weight I put on you. You have a responsibility as a, as a husband, as a, as a father, as a mother, as a wife, as a son or daughter, as an employer, as an employee. You have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to serve God in your giftedness. That is something that is put on you. You just do what I've called you to do. Carry that load. Be responsible. Do what I've called you to do. And don't worry about anybody else. I think about when Jesus was on the shore with Peter, right, at the very end, and uh, they're, they're by the campfire. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. To feed my sheep. They're having this conversation. And then the Lord tells Peter, you know, you're going to come a time when you're, somebody's, when you're older, somebody's going to take you where you don't want to go, talking about his death. And I love that Peter's like, what about John? <laughs> What's going to happen to John? Is John going to have to do that? Is it just for me? I mean, what, what, what about John? And I love what, what Jesus said. Peter, if I want John to live forever, that, that's none of your business. You follow me. Boy, what a good word for us. Listen, if you're here today and you're serving, don't compare yourself. Just, just be, keep working. Keep doing, keep carrying your load, man. Just doing your thing unto the Lord. And don't compare yourself with anybody else. Let me give you the third thing to write down. First one was keep caring, but don't compromise. Number two, keep working, but don't compare. Here's the last one. Keep investing, but don't quit. Keep investing, but don't quit. Look at verse six. Let the one who has taught the word share all the good things with the teacher. 
Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let us not get tired in doing good. For we will reap in the proper time if we don't give up. I really think this last section here, Paul is talking about the benefits of serving, the benefits of investing your life. You know, it's interesting here, he talks about here, those that have been taught the word should share the good things with the teacher. Many of the, many people, commentators and pastors have said, this is telling you to pay the preacher. Okay, that's what the verse means. Pay the preacher. If you've received the word, share your good things, which is translated meaning money, pay the preacher, all right? I don't think that's what this verse is saying. Now, there are verses that do say that, okay? We're not talking about that. But I think what he's saying here is this. Listen, when you are investing your life, when you're teaching others, when you're pouring your life spiritually into other people, there's some benefits, there's some good things that you're gonna see. You're gonna see God using you in an incredible way. And, and there's just good stuff that's gonna come from that and you're gonna be blessed by it. This isn't just pay the preacher. This is you investing, you pouring your life. You're gonna see good things coming through your investment. And uh, then he gives us what we call the laws of the harvest. And I'm, I'm gonna go through this really quick here. But in these few couple of verses, gives us some laws of the harvest. Now, I grew up in a farming community, so my first early jobs were in the field. So I, I saw this in a very tangible way growing up. But the farmer understands how to grow plants. And in the same way, uh, the Spirit here is telling us how to grow people and how to remain faithful to the end as you are in the harvest field serving uh, the Lord. Let me give you a couple of these things just to jot down and to meditate on this week. Uh, first thought jot down is you harvest what you plant. You harvest what you plant. Verse 7, for whatever a person sows, he will also reap. So if you, if you plant corn, uh, you're not going to get watermelon, right? If you plant wheat, you're not going to get cotton. And the same thing, it, whatever you're planting, that's what you're going to harvest. That's what's going to come out. Farmer knows this. And the same thing is true in your own life personally. Whatever you're planting in your life, that's what you're going to reap. That's what you're going to harvest you say, well, what do you mean? Well, planting meaning what do you spend your time in? What do you spend your money on? What do you spend your priorities on? Where, where, where does your, where, where does your what's, what takes up the most space in your calendar or in your conversations? These are the things you are planting. And whatever you plant, that you will reap, that you will harvest, either good or bad. So if you're planting uh, things that are not of the Lord, then you're going to reap that as well. You know, some families, they, uh, they, they're just consumed 
uh, with sports for their kids, right? I mean, just I got to get my two-year-old on this select team that's going to travel all across the country, all right? Because they're going to be professional, you know? So every weekend, we, well, we love you, Pastor. We'll send our, we'll send our tithe, but, you know, we're, gonna, we're in Florida this week, and the next week we're in Alabama, and the next week, you know, we're in, we're in Georgia, we're in Atlanta, we got the tournament, we got, woo, we got blah, 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 all this stuff going. And so they're going, 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 planting, planting, planting what's most important to them, and then they're shocked when their kid has zero spiritual interest when they're in high school. And you taught them well. The weekend is for your sport, not for Jesus. Same thing is true with your work. I mean, you're just, you're just consumed, pastor. I, you know, I would serve, but you know, I'm just so busy. I'm just, this is so important, and you're planting, planting, planting your work. Maybe you will reap a benefit in your work, but what I do know is you're not going to reap eternal benefits from that. Before you push back on me, just let the Spirit of God do His work. What you plant, you will reap. What you plant, you will reap. And sometimes it's not good. Hosea 8 verse 7 says, they sowed the wind and they reaped the whirlwind. So that's the law of the harvest. You harvest what you plant. Here's another one. You harvest after you plant. The consequences of the choices of your life are not immediately realized. It doesn't happen right now. The farmer knows I'm going to plant today. I'm not going to harvest on Thursday. I'm not even going to harvest this next month. It's going to be seasons later, then I will harvest this, right? So I, I tell you this because maybe you're serving, you're so faithfully serving the Lord, and you're like, but Craig, I just don't see any benefit, man. I just, man, they could replace me tomorrow, and it wouldn't be a big deal, and I don't know that I'm making a difference anyway, and, you know, I just don't see. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on just a minute. You don't see the end result of the harvest yet, right? You just see you're planting. You don't see the end result. The farmer has to go a long time before he ever sees the real result of the harvest. That comes in the future. You harvest after you plant. Notice he said, in proper time, you will see the end result of your work if you don't give up. So you will harvest after you plant. Here's another one. You harvest more than you plant. This is the principle of multiplication. The principle of multiplication, the farmer puts in a little of seed and then he gets great harvest. It's not even proportionate, right? Just a little seed, great harvest. Jesus told this in a parable. He said, a sower goes out to seed, and only a few of the seed fall on good soil. But those that did fall on good soil reap 30, 60, 100-fold. I mean, that's like tremendously greater proportion to what was actually sown. And that is true. What you invest, even though it seems small and insignificant now, is going to reap a greater reward than you could possibly know in this moment. A greater reward than you could possibly know. Let me just put you this way. No one gets to heaven and says, uh, I gave this much and this is all I got. Says no one in heaven ever. Right? What's going to happen in heaven is like, I only gave this and look, look at, the, look at the reward. Look at the harvest. And I only gave this. Man, what if I had given more? What if I invested more? What if I had done more? 
So I just want you to understand that the, the power of multiplication is in effect in the law of the harvest. What you sow a little uh, grows to greater things, greater proportion, greater impact. And let me give you the last one. And that is you harvest if you keep on planting. You know, the farmer doesn't just plant once. And they call it good. It, it, it's season after season, year after year. You have to keep on planting. Verse 9, look at it. Let us not grow tired in doing good, for we will reap the harvest in proper time if we don't give up. Let me ask you something. Are you feeling like giving up? You're serving. You've been faithful year after year, but you're tired. You're like that runner that's hitting the wall. You feel like you want to quit? Hey, don't quit. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep praying, keep being faithful, keep showing up, keep serving under the Lord because the harvest is coming. You know, several years ago, we did a discipleship conference and, uh, and uh, we honored uh, a couple, Jerry and Marilyn Fine. These people were from Oklahoma and um, were not members of our church. But they discipled me and Liz, and then they also discipled uh, Glenn and Dawn Underhill uh, that are on our team. And we just wanted them to come and, and hear our people see them and hear from them. And so we had a dinner, and at that dinner, we were recognizing them for just years of investing and discipling people. And I just kind of almost off the cuff said, uh, I said, I tell you what, if you, were, if you were discipled personally by Jerry and Marilyn, would you stand up? And so about four or five or six of us stood up in the room. And then I said, now, if you were discipled by one of the people standing, stand up. And so more people stood up. And then I said, now, if you were discipled by one, some people standing, stand up. And then more people stood up. And then if you were discipled by somebody standing, stand up. And then more people stood up. And I'm telling you, it was the most remarkable thing because by the, about the fifth time I said that, the whole room was standing. The whole room was standing. Now listen, Jerry and Marilyn don't know anybody in this room. They've never met them. But that was the harvest. Their little investment in a few lives was growing even though they didn't know it. Even though they couldn't see it. And I wonder if when we get to heaven, it's going to be like that. He's going to, Jesus is going to say, come on up, come, come on up here. Come, on. All right, come here. All right, now, watch this. If you were touched by this person, stand up. And a few people stand up. And you're like, see, that didn't make a big difference. No, wait. Now, if you were touched by these people, stand up. Now, if you were touched by these people, stand up. And more and more stand till everyone is standing. And he said, look, that's the harvest. That's the harvest. So listen, don't quit. It's not harvest time yet, it's coming. It's coming. Keep caring. Keep shouldering the load, but, but stay accountable so you can finish well. Keep, keep working under the Lord, but don't compare yourself. You're better than that. And keep investing your life and serving unto the Lord because the harvest is coming. The harvest is coming. Would you bow your heads with me for a minute? Maybe you're here today and you've been struggling with discouragement. You love the Lord, you've been serving the Lord, but you've just been discouraged, just tired. It's okay. 
We all go through those seasons. But just keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus. The harvest is coming. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. And maybe you're here today and you say, I don't think anybody would stand for me. I don't know that I've done anything spiritually with anybody. I don't know that I've served anybody in the name of Jesus. You can. Paul ends this section with these words. He said, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. He said, you have the opportunity. And that starts now. That starts today. You have the opportunity to invest your life. Now's the time to say yes. Lord, I thank you for your word today. It's so rich, so relevant to our lives. And Lord, I thank you for every person in this room that's serving you, Lord. They're serving you shouldering the load, caring for others, pouring out their lives. Lord, I pray you'd fill them up, remind them of the harvest to come. Lord, help us to finish well. And Lord, I pray for those in this room today that maybe do not know you, that today would be a day when they realize that, that the only real significance in life is significance in knowing and following you. That today would be the day that they turn to you, Jesus, that they turn from their sin and they cry out to you for forgiveness. That you would change them, make them, use them, Lord, for your purpose so that our lives could be vibrant portraits of your grace. Lord, we love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.